This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. They are very happy, these, these Swindon fans. Hey! Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Strangers podcast. It was a weekend of double frustration. Firstly, Ivo Graham's complete capitulation on fighting talk, followed by, and perhaps most importantly, by Swindon Town losing 3 1 at the county ground to Bradford City. Ooh. This means frequenters of the CG are still waiting for the regular good vibes that Ben Garner's side have been generously dishing out away from home this season. But it is what it is, and that's one win in seven for Swindon at home. Joining me for this episode firstly is Connor. Hello Connor, were you angrily chasing Bradford City supporters coaches post-game yesterday? I I wish I was but sadly Rich I don't have the pace for that but I do have the pace for this so here we are. Connor, has it ever looked cool chasing uh, buses in the name of football? Have you just seen, have you seen the video? That's a very cool look. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I would say it, it did uh, yesterday, approximately 5pm, uh, British summertime. <laughs> also joining us for this episode is Dan. Hello, Dan. Evening, gentlemen. Dan, we need to talk about a chant that you launched into the world of social media this week. How do you feel about it? 
define launch. Um, <laughs> no, um, let me explain myself. Um, I'm a 33-year-old man with a wife and kids. This is not me seriously putting a football chant in, out into the world. This was uh, the result of some fun and frolics uh, on the way to Sutton from London. Met up with a, a few other Swindon fans and the LSI Andalo chant, which has been in my mind for about five years, was aired and seemed to be well received. So uh, when prompted by James in the week, I thought I would put it out into the STFC hashtag world and try and bring a little bit of joy and silliness. But please, um, the internet can be a cool place. It was a joke. Let's just take it for what it was, a bit of fun and a bit of silliness. Well, for those who don't know the song in question, here's a snippet now. He plays at fullback, he plays at wingback, we always win away. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly play the whole thing, Dan, <laughs> you know, with respect. But I am super envious of what was a mini low Strangers night out, just seeing the, uh, just the good times from Sutton. Ah, seems like a long time ago, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a cracking midweek away day and a very, very good result. I also don't really want us to segue onto the next topic without just really praising the vocal range, Dan. You really, you mastered like a whole like octave there. I, I, I don't have the musical knowledge to kind of really say what you've done, but whatever it was, it was, it's compelling for me. <laughs> That's all you're getting from me, all right? Extraordinary. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh quite the moment for all of us um firstly before we move to the game well done to the under 18s for sticking it to oxford this weekend um but a 19 year old harry parsons and and mo Derbre got the goal I mean, is that allowed i don't think it well on the assumption it was a league fixture and i think it was it was um yeah it does seem odd uh maybe not so much Dabre because he is still in that 18 year old cohort but Parsons certainly at 19 seems a bit odd. But perhaps, you know, maybe it's flexible so long as both teams agree. Maybe Oxford had a 19-year-old in there as well, looking to get some minutes. It's hard to know without knowing the, the full picture. But um, it just seems quite a sensible thing to do, really, if it's allowed. Um, it keeps Dabre and Parsons ticking over. They're better off playing in that kind of match than none at all. Obviously, as well, Same, like, yeah. um, I, I don't think it's the same system, but I think, like, for example, Ollie Lancashire now plays for Southampton under 23s, um, and he's, he's obviously not under 23, so, uh, and Parsons, like, not anywhere near outside of the age range that Lancashire is, so maybe it's just a good way of keeping these guys ticking over because he's not, not had a huge amount of action for us, so just, uh, just get those goals. And uh, can we do the whole pod on that game, Rich? Yeah. Okay, then Saturday for the seniors there. More queues outside of the county ground as town are treated to 9,000 plus home fans for the second game running in League Two. Impressive. Uh, The hope is that the Swindon faithful remain faithful regardless of result and performances. Um, First time I've seen rumbles of where were you when we were poo sentiment. But most importantly of all, Connor, you got into the ground on time. I got into the ground with a lot of time to spare. I I planned my whole Saturday to to be in the ground ahead of time. And uh, it was amazing. I was there at like half two queuing up. Uh, Like the queues were still there then. Um, So um, that just appears to be a thing. And I'm glad for it because it makes it more of an event than than anything else. But yeah, uh, I I think 
I'd, I'd heard rumors of queues like even before I got there. Um, so people are obviously just uh, a lot better at attending things on time than I am. Do you? Do, I mean, it's really, really impressive. These these crowds. Do you, do you think it's going to be jeopardized? This this home form. We'll talk about form a little bit more later, but can it be maintained? Um, well, I think it certainly can be maintained. The obvious thing to say is, you know, hopefully the home tour, the home form will turn. Um, people will start leaving the ground with that happy, fuzzy, warm feeling of having just seen two or three goals and a Swindon win, and um, that'll keep people interested. The other thing to say, obviously, is our away form is so ridiculously good that each couple of weeks people look at the league table and think about, you know, shall I go and watch Swindon Town this week? Um, before kickoff, we were third. Even with the defeat, we're still sixth and massively in touch with uh, the teams above us. So um, I think for now... Um, there's a nice long gap until the the Crawley home game on the 13th of November. A lot can happen between now and then in uh, three different competitions, League, FA Cup and uh, Papa John's Pizza Trophy, where we are triumphantly top of the group. And we even won a game at home against Arsenal under 21. Get in there. OK, well, the lineup for the game against Bradford was Wallacott in goal um, and a back four of Rob Hunt, Romney Critchlow, Matthew Baldry and Akin Odomeo. Reed as defensive midfielder, Payne and Gladwin in midfield, Johnny Williams in like an attacking midfield role with Tyree Simpson and Harry McCurdy up front. So a diamond formation. This is the first time I think it's been used so far this this season. Connor, this is where we drift into the world of hindsight. When you saw the squad announced, what were your feelings? My feelings were like, what? In, I'm not saying that in hindsight. I'm not even really saying that in like a negative or positive way. I just looked at the team and I was like, well, that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting broadly what we had on Tuesday against Sutton because that team did pretty well. You know, maybe you try and rotate the fullbacks to get Kessler Hayden in. Um, maybe you rotate the midfielders so that Gladwin comes in for Williams, depending on like minutes and load and all that kind of thing. Uh, maybe if you're being really harsh on McCurdy, um, the fact he's not scored the last couple of games that maybe you start Gilbert or uh, Mitchell Lawson from the start. So for me, it was uh, what I was expecting was variations on the theme that we've seen in the last couple of weeks and obviously a system that we've been successful with. And then you see the team, you're like, well, it, it could be 5-3-2 if you play people outside of position or it, it, it's probably a back four looking at it. So we've changed for something uh, what are we trying to do and it was really only like five ten minutes into the game that you could kind of work out okay here's where the the pieces are um so yeah I, I think I was probably more taken aback at how different it was to what I expected than anything else it's one of those things where I think I, I, I've said before the game um that kind of whatever Garner did I was gonna I was re, re, like willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's got so much right in the last few weeks and yeah, in this case, it seems to have uh, maybe been something that we didn't need to do in terms of the rotation. Like Connor, I was very surprised when I saw the team sheet. I think it was, you know, with hindsight and at the time, you know, very harsh on LSI Endelo not to play a minute of Saturday. And and we don't know if there was a, an injury that niggle uh, there or not. So uh, we'll never know that, I guess. Um, and very surprised. Kessler Hayden didn't get the nod at home, and that's before we get on to the the change of system. Really, 
And if we can talk about that, I just, and again, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but maybe, you know, as much as the fans have been talking about this sort of home game problem, and I'm as guilty as anyone else about that, um, maybe that's slightly got into Garner's head and he's trying to fix a problem that maybe didn't exist quite as much as it does or did in real life. Because the change in shape to the four and then that sort of narrow diamond in midfield, it really did throw us out of kilter. Um, I think without Kessler Hayden and Iandolo on the pitch, we we certainly lacked uh, a lot of thrust down the flanks, um, which when you're playing that narrow diamond, probably you're, two of your more important attacking players are actually the full-backs. And we had Odomeo, who is a centre-back, you know, playing right back, and Hunt, who is your most defensive uh, natural full-back. So they had a lot of space, Hunt and Odomeo, down each side, but they don't quite have the ability and the sort of natural style to, to, to exploit it. And so it left Bradford able to sit deep and ask Swindon to try and play through them. And in the centre of the park, it was a bit like Payne, Gladwin and um, Williams were sort of tripping over each other a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it definitely did feel like a case of like too many cooks in that, that central midfield area. I think there's probably ways that you can fit all of them into the team. And I, I think before the game, we were kind of work, trying to work out, have the, has he maybe deployed one of them as like a wide wing-back kind of player so that you have like a free and then like a very attacking wing-back? There's probably ways that you can configure the three of them in the team and it not be too many cooks spoiling the broth. Um, but they're all so close to each other. It felt like they were, they were like tripping over each other, like you said, Dan. I mean, I think what Garner said after the game, um, I was a bit worried from probably about half time onwards that he had got into his head about the home form um, as a problem, which I think it is a problem if you're a fan. He was quite bullish before the game that it's not really something they consider and they just look at every game as a game. And we were obviously doing really well in terms of the league table as a whole. But I thought potentially maybe he's he's just got into his head about it and now because we've now lost another one and that's now one win from seven rather than only two win uh, two losses from six or whatever it was that that now becomes a bigger problem. But it, it sounds like he was just trying to match up Bradford's formation where they usually play kind of a back four and then they've they've changed to a back five to to kind of match us up um, and then that's then had this kind of really weird impact on like where the space of where the, the the game was played because you would get the ball I don't know for example Odomeo would p- receive the ball kind of halfway through the half on the right wing there'd be no one in front of him there would be some options in the center but a lot of the like passing lanes would be closed off um, by Bradford players and then all he can do really is go back to Baudry and reset uh, and then work work through midfield and it just felt that the the passing option that we've had in recent weeks where we've seemed to have been able to get the attacking players into the right format right positions to to create chances it just it didn't feel like that was there again and yeah it, even with the players on the pitch i feel like you you could have had one of the more attacking players even like McCurdy or someone just like playing a little bit more wide but yeah it it i think it's it's one of those things where it's a mistake in hindsight. It could have played out so differently as well. We, we never know. But um, yeah, Arna obviously recognised it was a mistake and, and tried to correct it at half-time. I think the lack of a third centre-half, it hurt us more when we had the ball. In the last six or seven games while we've been playing this kind of 3-5-1-1 or 3-5-2, call it what you want, that's been a real strength, is actually 
free ball playing centre halves who've been excellent in doing that transition from keeper into the more attacking players. And Conroy obviously is a big miss. He's an excellent footballer at the centre of that defence normally. Actually, going to the four, we we were just missing a body. And even with Reed trying to come back and get the ball off the centre halves, it I think it's slightly negated from Reedy as well. He had a much quieter match and didn't quite affect the game as much in the forward areas of the pitch for me. Connor, something that you mentioned just before that Bradford sort of changed their formation to uh, what was supposed to reflect what Swindon usually go with with the five at the back. Do you think that that might have like completely thrown Ben Garner a bit? You would imagine so like towards the start of the game but obviously we didn't change anything until half time and obviously if a fan can see it then then Ben Garner definitely can see it because he knows a lot more (laughs) definitely a lot more than I do um, about the game but yeah it's one of those things where he he probably believes in the players to carry out what he asks them to do. And then to a certain extent as well, even if we make tactical mistakes, you've got to win the individual battles. And I think but in, in this case, in this game, both things went wrong in terms of we, we probably didn't have the best tactical setup for the way that Bradford played on the day. But actually, probably the main thing as well is that there are a number of areas where Bradford just player to player slightly outbattled us as well. So... <laughs> I think there is blame here with Garner, um, very, very slightly. But also, I can't really think of many players that had a good day. That's not necessarily everything that's within his control. So I think it's one of those things where just a lot of things went wrong um, and we just kind of have to, to chalk it up to experience. Like it, Having this at this stage of the season, there's still so much um, that actually that can be a useful defeat for. Sure. Dan, talk us through that first half then. Um, was it Was it clear that things weren't going to be all that we wanted it to be from the early stages or did we at least start all right? Uh, I'd say no actually because for the first probably 15 minutes of the match while Swindon weren't you know knocking the door down we were you know it was largely controlled possession playing in front of Bradford who were giving us a lot of respect very unambitious in what they were doing um, so it's a bit of enough in 15 minutes, but with Swindon seeing a lot of the ball. And goal one, really disappointing in some respects. So to have come off the back of that the win at Sutton, where we had to do a lot of robust defending against long balls, deep free kicks, the odd long throw, to concede from the first long throw you face against Bradford. I wonder if there's an element of complacency there. It seemed like we had our ducks in the wrong order. We had Louis Reed was the closest man to the Bradford a forward that flicked on the long throw. And that's, well, that's just a mismatch first up. And then between Baudry and Odomeo, neither man reacted quick enough before Lavery swept the ball in. And so without doing much at all, other than being like good defensively and organised, Bradford found themselves 1-0 up and had something to hold on to. Um, what really, really was disappointing was... It wasn't until Louis Reed hit a free kick over the wall and straight at O'Donnell that we actually had a shot on target. And I think that was just before half time, by which time, of course, we were 2 0 down. Um, so Connor mentioned individuals a moment or so ago. And I, I think he's right. You know, like Critchlow comfortably had his worst game for Swindon and was rightly subbed off after half time. Um, Simpson was really ineffectual. I wonder if there's an element of 
tiredness there after uh, the weekend's game last week and then certain away, which was a bruising game. Um, and that highlights, again, the sort of the lack of a natural Simpson replacement does mean he's a 90-minute man every week. And to his credit, I've not seen him have a game that bad. And he's only 19, and we must remember he is learning on the job. So I, I don't want to hang Simpson out to dry, but he just he couldn't get hold of the ball. The the big centre-halves, uh, Songo and... Oh, I forget his name, the other big lad. They just, they really schooled him. They were very smart. Simpson couldn't get in the game. And I think in turn, that led to McCurdy being quite a peripheral figure too. He cut quite a frustrated figure on the periphery of the game. I thought a few times he went down a bit cheaply looking for things. It just lots and lots of people around the pitch not clicking. And that obviously go back to the start of the game with a change of shape. And then people not really at the races. Goals one and two for Bradford being really cheap from a Swindon point of view all led to us being rather flaccid and 2-0 down at half-time. Yeah, um, the angry mob turns up on Tyree Simpson in this episode a little bit later on, so we'll discuss Tyrese then. Um, The 16th minute was not my favourite minute of the game, nor my year, um, because just as the goal was coming through, uh, we found out we had COVID in the Pullen house, um, which means our half term has turned into solitary confinement for the family. So, you know, boo-hoo for us, but we're all okay. Um, Connor, I know you were particularly angry and disappointed with Bradford's second. Talk me through it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just really, really poor. I like It's a missed header by Critchlow and no one really gambling properly on the second ball and um, an element of misfortune with the with the post. I think the, the thing with the first goal, like I think both are bad goals to concede, but the thing with the first goal is at League Two level, you do see teams scoring long throw, flick on, goal. We've conceded that goal to Carlisle already this season, so you would, you'd hope that we kind of work on it and, and get better in, in defending that kind of, of circumstance. But obviously, Dan mentioned we played Sutton, that was kind of their game plan and it worked out there. We got three points away. So sometimes you are going to concede that kind of goal. That, that second goal should just be nipped in the bud because it's a straightforward, just get up and head it away. And and it's not. It leaves us completely unset. Uh, it leaves Rob Hunt basically defending two on one um, with, with like not much hope of, of doing anything. It's just kind of a comical one. And it's the kind of goal where it looks so weird. You're, you're immediately looking for a flag or a foul or something. It's like, how could that happen? But obviously that's just like you're in the bargaining stage of, of, of denial there. But yeah, for me, it's it's the worst goal that we've conceded this season. And I'm just disappointed because I've been such a big fan of, of Critchlow so far. Um, I know that a lot of people have mentioned that, that they, they can see that he has that kind of thing in him. And that there's the proof that he does. But again, you know, I, I think he's been, he's been good enough. Obviously, he's been pulled off at halftime. Um, I don't know if that's um, related or, or not. Yeah, you just kind of hope that again. That's that's something that sort of will will be learned from because that's just such a terrible goal to concede. And if if we were to score that kind of goal, I would be like, how on earth has that happened? And uh, yeah, definitely to concede that, you're just like, oh my god, that's not it's not a day, is it? That was us losing the game. Well, Connor Garrett, you know as. I was stood next to you when Bristol Rovers spilled the ball into McCurdy's feet. Um, I can 
only describe your reaction as nothing but glee. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the glee was based on like, how on earth has that happened? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't. I'm not saying I wouldn't celebrate it. Absolutely, I would. But I would just be like, what on earth? Uh, and yeah. yeah, the proof is in the pudding. When when we've scored goals, I'm like, what on earth has happened? That, that's my reaction. Absolutely. Dan, Critchlow, half-time, on the assumption that he's not injured and he's been hauled off because it, today just wasn't his day, that, that's quite a statement from Garner, isn't it? It is. Um, I feel I must also, whilst I've made comments about both Critchlow and Simpson having stinkers, I think we almost must keep the context and not overreact as a fan base. Because just having a look then, Critchlow has made 16 starts and a sub appearance so he, he's been ever present like he's made an appearance in every game and he is only a 22 year old center half learning his trade um simpson you know 15 starts and a sub appearance he's only not appeared in one game this season so i just wonder with both men and the young men if the season has just caught up with them a little bit uh in the bradford game they weren't very good but that's not to say they're not going to come back stronger. Um, perhaps perhaps a rest would work wonders. Okay, and, and I agree with you, but there will be Swindon fans that say, you know, we're not finishing school. We shouldn't be playing players if they're not up to it across the 46 games. We saw last season with Kovar, she had, you know, stinker upon stinker or he was deemed to. He didn't have a great time at Swindon, but Manchester United were over the moon. We have an issue, but they they get their rewards. Is is there not a concern that we're giving too much time to these loanies when there could be players within the squad that that should be coming in if they are suffering? Well, my counter argument to that, and I think it's a it's a valid question, Rich, is if not Critchlow and Simpson, then who? We don't have another left sided centre half unless you're going to play LSI and Delo on the left of a back three, and he's more naturally a left-back or left-wing back, as we know. Um, and in the case of Simpson, if you've got a problem with Simpson as a fan right now, your your problem isn't with Tyree Simpson, the 19-year-old inexperienced striker. Your problem should be with the management of Swindon Town, who have left themselves short in that area of the pitch whilst recruiting a squad in the last week of July and the whole month of August. That's who your problem's with, with some competition and or a similar type of player to Tyrese, you would have that option to swap someone in and out. But actually, the other option in the squad right now is Jaden Mitchell Lawson. Um, and if you're playing a front two of Lawson and McCurdy, you're, you're fundamentally changing how you need to get the ball up to your front two. Whereas in Simpson's defence, in the televised game at Forest Green, and in the game at Sutton, he led the line superbly and has done a lot of good things. Whereas yesterday, it's just not happened. I really don't think we should judge him or Critchlow too harshly. I urge the fan base to just take a bit of a reality pill there. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, I think the finishing school comments can be levelled at players that are not up to the level or not up to the level yet and are constantly undermining us. Neither of those players are doing that. I think Critchlow's probably made maybe one or two mistakes over sort of the games that I've seen him. Simpson has had some really good games and a couple of not so good games. And for me, it's not even just that you would expect that of players of their age, which you would, obviously. But 
partly it's also just like what you expect from players at the level. I, I don't look at men. I don't look at many players in League Two, and I don't even just include our players in that. I, I include most players that I see for other teams in League Two and expect them to basically put the exact same performance in 46 games in a season. It, it's just not what happens. I think probably people would have more patience with younger players like that if they were our player. But unfortunately, at this point, it's just not a reality that we can really get behind. So, you know, they're, they're, they're important players in the squad and their low knees. People don't have to like necessarily be really warm to the fact that that's sort of how it is. But yeah, while the squad's built like that, I think we just have to get on with it. And yeah, for me, both of them are very, very good and have impressed me a lot in other games. I think generally speaking, like players will have off games and what you hope is that like enough of the players have on games um, or the, the the off games that players have don't line up quite so much as they did against Bradford, uh, that you get away with it to a certain extent. You know, if if Simpson's as kind of anonymous as he was on, on Saturday, but McCurdy has an absolute stormer, then it doesn't really matter because McCurdy's probably scored the goals that you need. If Critchlow makes a mistake at the back, but you know, the attackers score two, then, you, you know, you kind of cancel that out and more. So I think it's just one of them things. There are experienced players in the team as well, players that we own, players that are older, that also didn't have their best 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 game um, in a township either. So for me, I just don't think we can criticise either of them, really. I think, I think there's an element of like, I just think we need to like keep our heads to a certain extent because the season has been so good, at least away from home, the season as a whole has been good. I, I think we just need to kind of see it for what it is, like we're, we're where we are in the table based on merit. And it's not, it's not like we, we've been awful in all of the games and just somehow have appeared there. So yeah, yeah it is what it is. One final thing I'd like to say on that. So talking about the difference between low knees and players that we own, there's only Harry Parsons in this squad who is contracted beyond the end of the season. Terry Simpson and Romney Critchlow are both on season long loans. That's as long a deal. <laughs> so in real terms, what I see of Simpson and what I see of Critchlow in their varying ways, they could both become excellent permanent additions in future. So it's not just developing somebody else's talent. What you've got in Critchlow, especially, is 22. You know, Huddersfield aren't going to hang on too many more years before they either got to play him or he moves on for his own good. And with Simpson, where, you know, we can see his limitations, but there's a lot of potential there too. You know, if Ipswich go up to the Championship or, you know, Swindon go up to League One, then there is every chance you could get him back as a. And all of that development we're putting into them this season, you know, wouldn't have been wasted in that sense. The second half then, so Kane Kessler Hayden comes on. Was there improvement? Yeah, I think the improvement was like quite significant early on in the half um first like five minutes Bradford can get out their own half um without us really creating anything too much but it was a lot better than we had been in the first half um I think the other problem then is that we really had to go for it 2-0 we needed to get a goal fairly early on to kind of make it a game and it left us quite open at the back so I think probably around the 55, 60 minute mark, I was just thinking this is so frantic that within minutes it's 3-0 or 2-1. Kind of worked out that way in the end. But um, yeah, we we definitely went up a gear once Kessler Hayden came on. He just kind of added um, a little bit more sort of prowess down that that right wing. And we did get kind of behind a couple of times. So it was an improvement 
for sure. But it's hard to really discuss it because the damage was already done, if that makes sense. Completely. And for somebody who didn't watch it, you look at the sort of stats at the end of the game, 73% possession. But again, as contributors or listeners to the uh, podcast will, will have highlighted, it wasn't the most attacking 73% in the world. Certainly not. Connor's right. There was a reaction early in the second half. Lots of territory, lots more possession, flurry of corners. But again, the frustration was it didn't translate into the Bradford keeper, O'Donnell, having to make any serious saves. There was a, a pain shot from 20 yards on about the hour mark, which bounced in front of O'Donnell. Um, could have been could have been tricky, but he palmed it out into the centre of the goal where, unfortunately for us, no Swindon player was waiting. Um, about a minute before that, there'd been a quite a good move where Williams headed it back across the box for a, a waiting McCurdy to tap it in and he just headed it behind him. It was just a, a frustrating old day, as we've said a few times. Um, and then, what was it, 65 minutes, you see Gilbert getting loose to come on. Was Williams the right guy to come off? It, it certainly caused a bit of um, consternation around where I was sitting. I don't think yeah. he was the right one to come off. Yeah, there were groans like around the whole ground. I think that was picked up definitely in like the post-match interviews that Garner did. Like uh, in in terms of like the, the the faithful weren't happy. I think I think he just kind of um, I'm, I'm not I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he just sort of is seeing it as like managing the minutes and he was talking about how he's not sort of you know been able to play sort of the amount of minutes to kind of ca- carry on it was a weird one I, I I think he was probably one of our better midfielders that day as well so I wouldn't have personally taken him off but then if you know like Williams can play 60-65 minutes then uh, it's probably better to keep him for the next game like the game was realistically already lost so um, if it means that he's fit for Oldham on Saturday rather than maybe uh, not able to play a part, then uh, it's probably the right decision. Perhaps. But it feels slightly <laughs> it feels slightly player before team in the sense that it's a bit robotic. If, if you're going into the match finger, right, I must bring Williams off after 60 or 65 minutes because the performance data says his load is too much. Like, it's, that's a little bit too much, not actually acknowledging the, the game situation, which at that moment was still 2-0. Um, and a town goal certainly would have, you know, made that a, a grandstand finish. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, if it had been like you're taking him off to put a striker on, then I could see that as like correcting the mistake of the formation. But um, yeah, because it was kind of in terms of how Gilbert played in that second half, it was like for like as well. So, it, yeah, I can I see what you mean. Ten minutes later, a former Swindon Town player entered the uh, the pitch um, and scored. Moments later, a very good finish by Theo Robinson, Dan. Yeah, that man loves scoring against Swindon Town. He's, um, I had a little look earlier today uh, for a laugh. He scored seven goals for Swindon on loan, and he's now scored six career goals against Swindon Town. So he is still in credit by one. Um, let's hope he doesn't correct that later in the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, you call it a very good finish, Rich. I don't think that's given it its dues. It was, you know, for a player to come off the bench cold and that's your first touch and finish wow um yeah so as robinson came on the pitch odomeo decided to go off the pitch um still not entirely <laughs> sure what he was doing which led to a bit of um 
online chat about the the laws of football. I know Connor, you love the laws rather than the rules. Oh, it's uh, disgusting! Is the, is the <laughs> should we should get the referee in like one of those bloody judges hats when he's decided making a decision? Is it? I hate it. It's terrible. Call it the rules. I think it's probably one of the best ideas you've ever had. You're going to change the game, Connor. <laughs> Shall we? Shall we? Shall we? Shall we go into Terry's uh, research here? Yes, um, please. Law Eleven, offside infringement, second paragraph. Any defending player leaving the field of play for any reason without the referee's permission shall be considered to be on his own goal line or touch line for the purposes of offside until the next stoppage of play. If the player leaves the field of play deliberately, he must be cautioned when the ball is next out of play. So there was a lot of he's offside, that goal shouldn't have been given, but he's not. No. (laughs) The the referee was absolutely spot on. Yeah, I I think the reaction in the ground, at least from where I was standing, I was sitting actually, but from where I was sat, was... The players reacting so vociferously that you like that. Well, they can't be like they can't all be wrong. Like obviously, you only see it once in the flesh. So I was I wasn't really aware of like who would be playing Robinson on side. All I see is Robinson sort of pick the ball up in acres of space and then just whip it into the into the far corner. Uh, but the way that Hunt and Baudry were reacting to the linesman, you're like you know they must have seen something like something is like if if Odomeo is like so obviously playing him on then like, surely they wouldn't argue back. Uh, obviously, uh, that's how it is. Like Seeing it back, it's like there's, there's there's zero argument. I don't even know if he needs to like go so much back into the rule book because I feel like Odomeo was like coming back onto the field of play anyway by the time the, the pass is played. So it's just, I don't know. It's one of those things where you, you have a grievance in the ground because you've not seen something correctly. And then we've got so wound up with the linesman it's hard to kind of roll back from that. I mean, I did enjoy towards the end, the linesman giving a very obvious offside and going, way. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, like, he was right. He was right to not put the flag up at that point. Yeah, I think it's just a bit of professionalism and gamesmanship, you know, Baudry and Hunt trying to do whatever they can to get the goal disallowed rightly or wrongly and try and keep Swindon in the game. Cause um, well, even before they got that one, um, it was a wonderful little jinking run from, Andy Cook, the big centre forward, where somehow, I still don't know how we managed to lift it over the bar, Connor, if you know the chance I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, like he's which, like probably eight yards out. It's like oh my nothing. Word. He um, just like somehow puts his foot right through the bottom. And it would it would have been some goal from quite a large centre forward to weave so intricately. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they could have been 3-0 up already, Bradford. Um, and, well, what a goal for fear of obviously. Yeah, just... I saw quite a lot of people get up to leave at that point. And then <laughs> about 45 seconds later, the penalty awarded. And a lot of people thought, I'll oh, just take another seat. Or I'll just hang <laughs> by the exit there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, Swindon did manage to at least keep their goal-scoring run going in the 77th minute when a handball was uh, given, well, a penalty was given for a handball. Um, I'm just going to, you know, use the official Swindon Town Twitter feed to describe <laughs> this goal. Um, 77th minute, all uppercase, goal! Swindon Town, one. <laughs> official Bantams, three. Jack Payne, what a beauty. When I saw this, I didn't realise it was a penalty. And I thought, oh, hello, has he just like done something from 40 yards just out of nowhere? But no, um, a penalty to make it 3-1 with... 
13 minutes to go. Perhaps perhaps they were hoping that there was going to be a grandstand finish, but alas, it wasn't to be. Correct. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a well-taken penalty. And uh, if it's any crumb of comfort, we seem to have a couple of good penalty takers in Payne and Gladwin, uh, if you ignore uh, the penalty shootout at Cambridge anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, the real disappointment following that was the sort of lack of muster of any sort of head of steam to go and get goal two and try and set up the uh, the grandstand finish. I can only really think of the McCurdy header deep into stoppage time, which well palmed away. Um, 3-2 would have flattered Swindon on the day, as we touched on through this pod. Um, yeah, we've just uh, got to take our medicine, gents, I think. Roll forwards here and a real chance to level. And it is a chance that is taken. Guess who? Owen Doyle strikes again. 15 league goals for the season. Man on fire. Loads of contributions from listeners this week. Thank you very much to those who sent stuff in. We start with Sean, who says, think the back four system today just didn't work and nearly all of the players had an off day. Paul says, we are going to have to get used to this at home. Teams sitting very deep and undoing us with throw-ins or waiting for loss of concentration. Possession good, but not tiring teams out when you continually pass back or sideways. They just keep their shape and wait to break. Moles says... Formation all wrong, needed the wing-backs, half-time sub committed us to a failing formation. Simpson has no positional sense, makes poor runs when the ball is out wide. Kant won't head it, my patience with him is wearing thin. Ref was awful, but didn't cost us. Frustrating. Jeremy says the change in formation was unhelpful. It is no coincidence that the two worst performances of the season, this and Port Vale, have been when we switched to a back four rather than the three centre-backs. Zane says negatives Simpson, whereas Ben mentions that although he wasn't at the game today, thankfully, it needs to be highlighted that by the time we play Crawley, we'd have only won one game at home and it'll be mid-November. At some point, our away form will dip. If we don't turn it around at home, the gates will rapidly decrease too. Jamie says this game is the reason we need a striker. And Muttley says, quite simple, we play like Brazil away and we play like San Marino at home. Chris Foote says, I really don't understand what prompted the change in shape today. We lacked width and tried to play through the middle when we clearly lacked physicality to compete centrally. Jason C says, I do think it was a perfect storm of Bradford who have played with a back four all season going to a three to match ours. Only for us to change to a four to counter them. Unfortunately, that worked in their favour as we were way too narrow first half and having to chase the game. Team selection has to be on Ghana though. Why such a narrow midfield when not playing overlapping fullbacks? Simpson again, another bad game. He is terrible in the box and why oh why are we trying to run the ball through the middle so much in the first half? Craig mentions that away from home, Ghana is the captain of the HMS Pista League. At home, he's the skipper of the HMS Pointless Possession. 
One win in seven home games is a terrible record, and it's worrying that in post-match he said it's down to coincidence and nothing will change in his tactics. Helen says no passion from the manager when he stands there with his arms folded. Where's the passion? And Gully adds that Simpson is not a footballer, Gladwin is lazy, and McCurdy needs a protein shake or three. Whereas Richard says at least Harry McCurdy chased and looked up for it. Cannot understand how Anthony Grant didn't start. No threat, little passion, shocking ref, that's it. Boomtown says we weren't direct enough at times. Almost most of the team went wide and left gaps in the centre, which invites the opposition to go through. David says, I just don't get Simpson. Wayne says Kane Kessler Hayden has to start next week. Also, the Rolls Royce that is Ben Gladwin is not the man you need when 2 0 down and chasing the game. He wants to slow it down too much. Surely Owen Doyle would be a great option up top in League Two. Tommy says, poor, so very poor, didn't look up for it, looked slow on and off the ball. What is the point of Simpson? Also, does Garner have a plan B? Russell says, Simpson not good enough, we were just not a threat going forward. Also, four at the back doesn't suit us, and we missed Iandolo today. CH says, considering league positions, getting clearly beaten by a team in that position, if we don't sort out the home form and quick, we will finish mid-table. We need to get used to the pitch, train on it, learn from it, all the bad bits and the sweet spots, etc. We also need to be more positive with formations at home. I understand it away because the home team will always come out and attack you a bit more on their pitch. But at home, we need to be more attacking and positive. Learn how to cope with the shithousing of League 2 as well. Ryan says, Today was all Ben Garner's fault. Changed a winning formula for an awful compact 4-4-2. We never recovered. Don't think anyone deserved Man of the Match this week. Luke says, If you pass the ball in front of teams, it's easier to defend. You need to break the lines with movement and run off the ball, which Simpson offered none. McCurdy wasn't much better. Grant needs to come into the midfield as there are too many of the same type of player in there. Chris says, lumpen, laden, lackluster, lacking all over the pitch. Clearly an off day before the HMS piddled the league steamrolls Oldham. <laughs> Dean says that we missed Conroy and a lack of intensity in the first half. Craig says there are positives and they were Reed and Williams. First half was as bad as I can remember. Too much pointless possession. Yuck. Swindon Town Central says Garner got it tactically wrong today. In desperate need of a striker to support Simpson. And Matt also adds that it was Garner that needs to take the blame. The change of formation to fit Gladwin and Williams meant we played into Bradford's hands. 27% possession with 12 shots tells you what they do. Connor says... We dominated the ball in the game, in his opinion. If we have a bit more experience up front, and we might have been able to break them down. But Bradford came to park the bus, and they did so. Think 3-1 flatters them slightly. Alex says 2-1 dimensional, aimlessly crossing the ball into the box when they have seven defenders in there. We need a set-piece coach. Poor defending them, especially the first goal, and rarely look threatening when attacking them. Max says that Simpson and Baudry were so poor today. Garner cost us the game, though. Made the wrong changes and didn't react to the flow of the game. Never going to be able to get a consistent run going if we can't perform at home. Chris E says, unfortunately, they don't seem to be able to coach Simpson to attack the space in the box or actually try to head the ball. I gave him much praise for 
effort, but now just don't think he will be very good. Not a natural striker. Dan H says, Ghost of Lee Power is still lingering around the county ground. Need Magic Clem Morfuni to come back for a couple of weeks and do an exorcism. He can do those, right? Not sure. Josh says, a 4-4-2 diamond with that wing-back combo left us really meh. Nothing instinctive or probing. A whole lot of negatives, but sometimes you need a day like that to learn. Ben Garner is still learning the trade, so it was never going to be the finished article. To go full 2017, we go again. Mark also says the formation inside was terrible. Can't believe Garner sees the same game. Subs all wrong. They didn't outplay us. They just outfought us. Tom Garner got the tactics wrong in the first half, but Kane Kessler Hayden helped down improve as they added width. Mr. Allison says, always going to have bad days at the office, but home form now becoming a problem and we need a striker in January. Still a long way to go. Nick says, off day, got the tactics wrong and should have changed things in the middle of the first half. It happens and will happen again, no doubt. PM with a huge negative, the formation. Garner got four at the back, totally wrong lost width. Players uncomfortable from the start. Positive was Kane Kessler Hayden. Gave width. Other subs limited impact. Williams and Payne in midfield limits them individually. S. Parker, man of the match was Frenchy. Honourable mentions for Gladders. Simpson needs some bench time as he was poor. McCurdy ran his socks off but got no service. Team selection a mystery but we live to fight another day. Steve A says, as usual, we struggle with direct teams and free kicks and throw-ins. We must not get carried away with ourselves we are a developing team some below par performances today causing silly mistakes we have been punished by a good team shame for home fans taze 85 says that was bad well we go again etc etc feels like we set up wrong and lost the midfield battle a bad day at the office let's not get carried away though Mike says, just one of those games that we got the result we deserved and hopefully the crux of a winning streak at home to come. Man of the match, Baudry, who played well, which says it all when a defender whose team conceded three goals is man of the match. Bernie Mann says, very little positives. Negatives was Ghana today. He got it all wrong. This one was on him. Our issue with not having a replacement for Simpson exposed today. Whatever Garner says, he needs taking out for a spell. Struggling with Man of the Match initially, Reed, but looking back, I'll go Williams. Jimmy Legg says, didn't play anywhere near good enough today. Sloppy defensively, lacking ideas going forward. As soon as they scored, it was game over. The referee had a mare and the DRS lino could have been a flag stuck to a broom handle, balanced in a bucket and would have been just as effective. Deflated. And finally, Steve G, who says, seriously frustrating afternoon at the county ground. Can't be bothered to list the players who underperformed. Zero end product, zero cutting edge. Man of the match was rocking Robin. Poor. Okay then, so this is a bit of a weird one for me, chaps, because, I mean, at the moment, maybe it's two-dimensional, one-dimensional from me, but... I see that before this weekend, we hadn't lost a game um, since Port Vale on September 11th. And we're still very much in the mix, you know, as, as, as only we can be after so few games. But the reaction here really is, you know, one of high annoyance from those who contributed, um, which I'm grateful for. And, you know, I don't, and I've never wanted this podcast to be happy clappy, 
But I must say, I, I was quite surprised. And I guess it's that frustration that we're not winning at home. The major points from from everything that you just heard there is, you know, Garner has taken the brunt from fans and Tyree Simpson is as well. I mean, Simpson tweeted on Sunday evening that we will rise again. And I've no doubt that's going to be the case. But judging by listeners' contributions, patience seems to be wearing thin. We've talked about this reasonable length so we don't have to go into it too much more but I mean the, I guess the question is is the growing criticism of fair or is he a victim of Ghana's reluctance to give others a chance and on the presser we've we've discussed quite often that he keeps on saying Mitchell Lawson is an out and out centre forward so give him a go. I mean for me he's not a victim of anything I think he's gaining a lot from the fact that Garner's so reluctant to take him out. I think mean, he will be, you know, probably in January a much better player for the fact that he's probably played pretty much every game. Um, and, you know, you'd imagine another striker will come in and rival him. He'll be able to rival that striker a lot better for the fact that he'll have been one of the first names on the team sheet for the best part of half a season. Um, so I think he's he's only standing to gain in this thing. But I, I do think the criticism is unwarranted. I, I don't understand what people really expect. I don't... I think he's maybe not one of those strikers that is going to score Owen Doyle numbers um, like we've had before. But, you know, for me, if you look at the Swindon sides that have been promoted from League Two before the Owen Doyle year, um, you've not needed um, a player that scores obscene amounts of goals. You just need a team player who who can chip in with like a, a decent amount. And I think, you know, the... I think, was it 13 that Alan Connell got in uh, the cameo season? Um, similar amounts for like Christian Roberts in um, the the 2006-07 season. He's well on track to get to that. Um, and he offers so much in overall play. I think what it is, is just frustration that like a lot of people have not seen us win. You know, if you weren't at the Mansell game, you've not seen us win at home. The, the nature of the, the away allocations being so small only like very, very small amounts of people are able to go to Sutton. There's only 500 and something tickets available. A lot of people just haven't been able to get to an, an away game for for whatever reason. Um, so they want to see us be able to do it at home. Um, I would love to see us to be able to do it at home, but probably if, if what you're ha- sort of hanging on to is, you know, every second weekend when we're at home, us, us turning up and winning, you are going to get frustrated that um, it doesn't seem to be happening even though everyone who's going <laughs> going away is having a, a grand old time on the other weekend it's probably a weird one I, I think it's, it's probably just the case of we just want to see that that first like big win at home um, get that kind of duck off our back it's frustrating to see your team lose and play like we did um, and and the reaction's probably just to that yeah for me if it like anything that's sort of going too far in um that's trying to like read more into the losses that we've had recently, like Port Vale or this, or even Carlisle, um, which are the only three that we've had in the legal season. I don't think there's really anything to read into it too much. We're in probably a, a very similar position to, to where we were in the well-in season, where, where we got promoted. And I, I think it's just been a really enjoyable season. But like I say, if you're um, watching the home games, you probably wouldn't know that because the, the home, home games haven't been quite as good as the away ones. So let's just hope that this is just like a statistical anomaly where the goal just hasn't come for whatever reason in a couple of games at home and uh, eventually it will and we'll all have uh, an enjoyable end to the year. Dan, Garner said post-match, won't change the way he plays or the style, we just need to 
play this way better. Sometimes we have to have some patience, but you can't be careless and give goals away. There's no difference between home and away. Last two home performances he believes were good. Today's wasn't. And this coincided with a question we've had from a listener, Leap, saying regarding the contrast between home and away form, Ghana has previously said that we don't train and prepare differently. Surely now it's time that we did. What do you think, Dan? It's an interesting one. So as you were teeing up the question there, Rich, I was just reflecting back to our recent away wins. And I think at Sutton, it was a real clash of styles. Um, and Sutton were trying to be on the front foot throughout the game, which did give Swindon space and good counter-attacking opportunities. So I think and it being away helped there. Forest Green was two sides trying to play football, um, a really open game, and I think Swindon did it better. We out-footballed them. Bristol Rovers was probably the most like a home game in the sense that Bristol Rovers sort of set up with one up front, were very unambitious, played very deep and give Swindon a lot of respect. So in some ways, that's probably the most home-like victory we've had in a funny way, um, in the sense of kind of how Bradford set up yesterday. Um, the difference being Bradford not only got the noses in front, but were then good enough to capitalise and make it a further, a further lead. Um, but other than that, I can't really offer you much. I just I can't get my head around it. I think Ghana was right to take personal responsibility. I think the formation change, the formation change did throw us. Um, I think we will see a reversion to the three five two that's worked so well recently. And the good news is we've got a couple of away games coming up: Oldham in the league and Crew in the cup before we return home against Newport and Crawley. So there is a bit of time to work on it. Um, I just wish, yeah, I just wish I could put my finger on why we're struggling quite so much. But the blueprint is kind of there for the way that Bristol Rovers set up against us. So I hope that kind of makes sense, gents. You know, even like something like the Scumfort game, I think they were fairly like similar set up in terms of like sitting quite deep. Um, but that that seems so long ago that I don't know if we can learn anything from it. But <laughs> I think it, it it is just one of those things where we we kind of had this in the at the start of the season with Wellens as well, um, where kind of like we just needed that one game where we kind of broke down a deep seat a deep deep lying team and then it, it seemed to kind of click. I, I think maybe what we need to just do is rather than trying to fit more midfielders in, is just try and get more people around Simpson and just hope that we unsettle teams um, and get that early goal. I think an early goal and then not sitting on it is what we need uh, because, yeah, it seems like the longer we go on, the more we're likely to get sucker punched. And, and the longer it goes on that we don't win, the longer that, the, the more the players will sort of begin to actually have this as a thing in their heads. So I, I don't think there was like actually a home form problem until Saturday. Um, because I, f- I think pretty much the vast majority of games, I, I wasn't there for Port Vale, but I've been there for the others. Um, the majority of games, we were at least good for a point and um, probably could have been okay for all three. Um, think something like the Rochdale game, we, we we were bad for a portion of the game, but we're also brilliant for another portion of the game. So I, f- I think it's it's a case of if the ball falls slightly differently and you get a goal where before we hit the post or it's just over, 
um, then the home form looks very, very different. But as soon as it becomes a problem, then then that starts to weigh on players' minds and it becomes more difficult. So we need to fix it quick, for sure. The other thing to add, four four of the last five home goals we've conceded, the two Rochdale goals, you know, we spoke on previous pods, were both highly avoidable, you know, team mistakes or individual mistakes. And then two, the first two goals for Bradford yesterday, you know, bit dozy from a long throw, and then a Critchlow missed header and a sort of mad scramble, which led to a, an easy tap-in. Previously, the defence was looking much more watertight. Let's hope this is just something of a blip for the back line, because, um, yeah, you'd, five goals conceded in the last two home games is perhaps a bigger worry than what we're doing at the front end of the pitch, relatively. Yeah, well, I mean, respectfully, you know, if the internet is anything to go by from the last few days, it sounds like we're going to just sign Owen Doyle in January anyway. And, <laughs> you know, that, that'll be that, right? Oh, we can but dream. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I didn't read many of the Man of the Match nominees out. Just add a bit of fanfare, really. But despite everything, there were still shout-outs for several players. Uh, McCurdy got a few nods. Louis Reed got his usual few nods. Ben Gladwin, Rob Hunt, Jack Payne, Johnny Williams. But the man of the match for listeners was uh, Matthew Baudry, and quite convincingly so. Connor, who gets our man of the match? Who gets your vote? My vote? I mean, the thing is, when so many players have off days, it's really difficult because... I. I don't think it's a case of like one or two players having a bad game against most of the team. Um, so by default, like pretty much the players that are going to get this um, are the ones that just had like slightly less bad days rather than being really good. Um, I can understand why people have gone for Baudry. I think, um, you know, that there were a couple of kind of mistakes in the first half, but he was pretty solid in the second half and, uh, um, yeah, definitely in terms of like doing the, the things that gets the crowd sort of up for it in the second half, he was pretty good. I want to give it to Rob Hunt, I think, because I, I don't think there's really any mistake that you can level at him. I mean, maybe the second goal, but I think he's left in an impossible position. So I, I'm literally giving him a free pass there. He was really, really good in the second half as well um, in terms of kind of dealing with some of um, Bradford's attacks and setting us back on the front foot to try and sort of halve the deficit at points. Um, and yeah, really, it's it's just because I can't think of anyone in an attacking <laughs> sense and really anyone else in a defensive sense um, that deserves it. So I would have given it a blank um, if I could have done. But we set the rules last year and there were so many worse performances last year where we came up with a man of the match. For me, it's Rob Hunt. We certainly did. Dan, do you agree? Um, well, Hunt was steady. Baudry, pretty good amongst the Maya. Reed. Steady as usual. I think Gladwin, whilst not a lot of it came off, he was always available for the ball and was always trying to make something happen on that sort of right side of the diamond. And then in the second half, he sort of found himself on the left side of that diamond. But yeah, Williams, we've said, was bright, but didn't really come off. It's it's a, it's a really hard one. Um, oh, Hunt and Baudry. I'm not going to tussle with Connor. Hunt... Hunt can have it from the pod, but it really was 
a hard day to pick a man of the match for the wrong reasons. I'm glad you said Hunt because I was just about to flip a coin. So <laughs> that's <laughs> that's really good. Okay, so you know, not much more to discuss. Oldham next week, there'll be a presser for that. I think we're getting ever closer to being reliant on winning our away games and that form will end and I'm a bit wary that the reaction from many and I'm I'm more than certain it's echo chambers and silent majorities but if we start dipping points losing points away from home it could get a little bit rowdier I suppose but the FA Cup could be a blessing just so we can just take a step back and breathe a little what and get knocked out nah (laughs) <laughs> let's let's not go there. No, uh, yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. I think Oldham should be, in terms of the way that the season's gone so far, should hopefully be a, like a, a good day out and hopefully a good showing from us. But you never know what to expect, really, do you? I I, I can see what you mean. I, th- I think the reaction would be probably worse to the home game after the away loss rather than the away loss in it in itself. Um, if you get what I mean, but. Yeah, let's let's not worry about the permutations. Let's just uh, get all, all of our fingers crossed um, for next week. Um, and yeah, I mean, Oldham, I think they drew to Carlisle, who absolutely can't buy a win. So potentially we'll be fine. Spoken like a true man who's going to that game. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Sunday 31st of October, Swindon Town women are playing Exeter City women at the county ground in the FA Women's National League Southwest kickoff is at 2pm, £3 for adults, £1 for over 65s and under 16s are free. Really hope they get a great turnout. Dan, really good that the county ground are hosting women's fixtures. Yeah, yeah. And as you'll have heard on this pod, I've I've long been an advocate of getting behind the, the under 18s whenever we get a chance in the FA Youth Cup. And the same goes for Swindon Town women. Um, in my previous role with Trust STFC, we've been calling for all the different segments of the club to come much closer together, be much more unified. And we are seeing the, pr- the proof in the pudding. Um, fantastic opportunity for the uh, Swindon women to play at the county ground. I hope there's a great turnout. Yeah, I hope it's a good game. That should do wonders for, uh, for women's football in the town. That would be great. Here's hoping. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford, and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. <laughs> He plays at fullback, he plays at wingback, we always win away. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy... 
or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 